Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor Joaquin G. Molina invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Lives. Lord, we want to understand that we're right where you want us to be. Receiving those things that you want us to receive so that we can fulfill your heart's desire. Father, we understand we're in a journey and we want to be strengthened and assured in our journey that we would fulfill your whole desire. We give you thanks for Jesus Christ dying on the cross and bringing us into a new way of life, a new and living way, a way of hope. We pray that we would be faithful in this life, Lord, that our priorities would have changed and now we set with a heaven in our heart as our destiny and your purposes as our priority. We pray that your word this morning would clarify these things and bring us closer, Lord, that we not only be a hearer to these things, that we not just hear them and be amazed by your plans, but that we would actually walk in them and attain to the fullness of all those things you have for us, Lord, so that we might rejoice from now unto eternity, O Lord, and that you also might rejoice with us, Lord. We pray that your word would be a seed planted in our hearts, that spiritual seed that brings forth spiritual fruit and a harvest that glorifies your name. Strengthen us and bring us closer to you, Lord. Draw us near to your purposes, Lord. Remove us from our self-sufficiency, Lord. And let us rely upon you and your plans and your way of thinking, Lord. We give you thanks for this word this morning, Lord, as we break that bread of life that nourishes our spirit, that we might enjoy our walk in this side of eternity, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we finish out these 21 days of fasting, it is a spiritual principle that if you're faithful in that which is small, God can bring you into the greater things. Had we not fasted, that we would be missing out with God bringing us into a provision that we would not know. I want to tell you that as we walk in these basic levels of our spirituality, this is fasting is a spiritual exercise, and you won't see people that are not spiritual fasting. And those of us that are trying to walk in this life are trying to accomplish these spiritual principles even to the extent of withholding food. And our basis for doing this is seen in the scriptures in Matthew 6, verse 16, when it says, when you fast, do not be like a hypocrite. Matthew 6, 16. With a sad countenance who disfigures your face so that you might appear to men that you are fasting, because assuredly I say to you, they have their reward. But you, verse 17, when you fast, make sure you wash your face and anoint your head, verse 18, so that you do not have an appearance to be fasting before men, but you're fasting before your father who sees in secret, and your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. We're not doing these things because we have nothing better to do, but we want God's reward. We want the benefits and the favor of God in our life. And you know something, words such as fasting 
give us a heartache in the natural. They hurt our bodies because we're not accustomed to these things because they're spiritually to be exercised. And in the same way, as we sacrifice the natural, God will bring us into the supernatural. And it would be horrible if we just went about as a church and as a Christian, never seeing the supernatural. I would have gone back to the world a long time ago if I didn't see evidence of God in my life doing things I could never do on the ordinary scale. And God has brought us to the extraordinary, to the supernatural. And so we're going to learn today another concept in the realm of supernatural. I don't believe I could have preached this message had we not had 21 days of fasting. So our 21 days of fasting have brought us into another dimension, and it's there in 1 Corinthians 2.13. He says, we are no longer speaking according to the truths of this world. These things we also speak, not in words which are according to man's wisdom. I stand up here today, I'm not talking about what I know in the natural I'm trying to follow what God knows in the supernatural. And he says, we're not speaking the words that you will hear from an intellectual man, a man that has studied a lot, but that which the Holy Spirit teaches. We're being taught by the Spirit of God. Great and excellent teacher, wonderful counselor. And so it says there that we are trying to interpret spiritual truth with spiritual language, the Amplify says, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So we talked about fasting. We're not going to hear about fasting. When's the last time you saw a commercial on fasting? It's not going to happen because that's a natural realm. We're talking about supernatural. We're being taught by the Holy Spirit. And he's bringing us into things called fasting, which is to sacrifice the natural that we can lay hold of the spiritual and thus receive rewards of God. And Paul is telling these things. In the Living Translation, it says, When we tell you these things, we do not use words of human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit of God, who's using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. And I want to tell you that there are words such as consecration. We've never heard that word. We've heard of concentration. But the word consecration is a spiritual word given by the Spirit of God to spiritual people. We haven't even heard any such thing. Even as a Christian, we find it difficult to even consider the word consecrate. It's a spiritual exercise. It's a spiritual life. You won't hear it in the natural because there is no consecration for natural people. There is no consecration for that which is common. Consecration is a word that's founded deep in the heart of God. I want to, just in, a, in an ordinary manner to explain consecration, say with me, things devoted to God. Things devoted to God. When we're talking about a world-changing consecration, we're talking about a life which understands the supernatural. 
that understands the spiritual, that is in another realm. We said on Wednesday that the natural man cannot understand the things of God. That's why I feel sorry for people that are not born again who come to church. Because they try to understand these things in the natural and we're not speaking in the natural. Nothing that we say here will benefit you in a natural realm. Because it's birthed out of something a lot higher, a lot heavier. I want you to know that the word secular is also one of those words that, that we understand. It means things not devoted. Things human. Things common. Things that are within our realm as humans. That's where humanism comes from. A man thinking to achieve on a human scale. And consecration is not there. You know what is the word that is used in the secular realm? It's desecration. It's grabbing holy things and making them unholy. It's grabbing spiritual things and making them non-spiritual. How many are experts at doing this? You, you grab things that are honorable and you make them dishonorable. You grab things that are, that are um, holy and you make them unholy. You grab concepts that are supernatural and you want to bring them down to your realm and it's not going to happen. There are things devoted and there are things not devoted. And consecration, say it with me, consecration. It's one of those words that the Spirit of God will give you, consecration. It's devoting things to God. And we don't understand that until we come to God. To devote to God for an entire life. I want to tell you in Leviticus 20 verse 7. We see one of the evidences of that word there when God tells his people, consecrate yourselves therefore. Well, if I wouldn't have known what that word meant, I would say, no, I'm not going to do that to me. What am I going to consecrate myself? That almost feels, it sounds like castration, right? It's like, I'm not going to go and cast. We don't know what that word is. But God says, consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy for I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves. This is not something that someone's going to do for you. Consecration is something you do for God. And the Holy Spirit would lead you to this life. In verse 8 he says, Therefore, if you, if you consecrate yourselves, you shall keep my ways. You shall keep my statutes and you will do them. For I am the Lord who is calling you to sanctification. I am the Lord who is calling you to be holy. So how do we consecrate ourselves? I want to tell you that you can do this. You can say, Lord, my entire body belongs to you. I want to devote my entire being to you, O God. That is too radical for our generation. They can give themselves entirely over to sin. They can dedicate their entire lives over to the things not holy. But when you say give yourselves over to God, no. I, what, I don't even understand what that means. Give myself entirely over to God. So we will talk about that today. Give your possessions over to God entirely. No. How dare you? You already are giving yourselves, but not over to God. You're already presenting your offerings to other things. Instead of consecration, it's desecration. 
Instead of grabbing and having these things offered over to that which is holy and godly and eternal, we're grabbing our lives, our bodies, our possessions, and giving them over to things that are temporal. Things that have no weight and have no promise. So God tells us, consecrate your marriage. Give your, your, your relationship with your spouse over to God for His use. For Him to use it for His glory. Except we don't. We give our marriages over to desecration and to divorce and to adultery. And we offer it up to the unclean. Give your careers. Consecrate your careers. Use your business for my glory. I did that for 10 years. Anybody who was going to come to my business was going to hear about my God. Was going to hear about the goodness of God. Was going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. My whole practice of law was consecrated to the Lord. I would do nothing that would dishonor His name. I would involve myself in nothing that would desecrate his presence. People used to come in and sit in my lobby and say, there's a presence here that's supernatural. There's such a peace in this place. Because that whole place was consecrated to God. The first thing I did was put a big fish on my building. People say, are you selling bait? No. This building belongs to God. These are the sorts of examples we have in the Bible. The Lord consecrated to us the Sabbath in Exodus chapter 20 verse 8. Remember to keep the Sabbath day holy. Six days you shall work. And you shall do anything you want those six days. But the seventh day belongs to the Lord. You shall not work in it, nor shall your sons work in it, nor shall your daughters work in it, nor shall your employees or employers work in it, nor shall you make your horses plow the field, nor shall strangers and guests within your home come and do landscaping. It's a consecrated day. It's a day set apart for God. We had a, ho a horrible time understanding that. Some of us that are workaholics, I have to catch up on Sunday. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's a consecrated day. It belongs to the Lord. There's promise with consecration. You're going to see the goodness of God. You're going to see the peace of God. You're going to see fruitfulness in your life. Pastor Jose Medieros went back to Mexico. They used to open seven days a week in his shoe store. On Sunday was the day they sold the most. He says, no, not no more. I will consecrate this day of the Lord. I will not work during this day. I want to honor God. I want to set it aside as a special day. Say with me, special day. Dedicated day. A day set aside for God. Thank God the Spirit wants to speak to us in spiritual terms. Thank God we're learning how to walk with God's blessing. So he closed down on Sunday, and on Saturday he was making twice as much money. God started blessing him on Saturday. There was a car dealer here in Florida. It was called um, Courtesy Ford down in, in uh, the south part of town. And they were Christian, and they knew that the Sunday, the Sabbath day was consecrated to the Lord, and they would not work. Courtesy Ford for 20 years did not work on Sundays. Who has ever heard of a car dealer closing on Sunday? When it's a man who fears God, they will do what God says. And they were for 20 years the number one selling car dealer in South Florida. 
My cousin owns Metro Ford there on I-95 in the center of town, but he works on Sundays. And he never got to sell the amount of cars courtesy Ford was able to sell during those 20 years. The difference between that which is consecrated, that which is set aside, devoted to God for special purposes. In Hebrews 13.4 it says the marriage bed should be honored. Your marriage bed should be kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and the sexual immoral. Another consecrated aspect are our marital beds. They're not to be used for pornography. They're not to be used for lust and sexual immorality. It's to be kept within the confines of the marriage covenant between a husband and a wife. We have desecrated our bodies, offering ourselves to those that are not our husbands, not our wives. And these, these have brought an uh, onslaught of horrible consequences and destruction over our lives. Because we knew not how to offer our marriages in holy union unto God. The Bible teaches us that not only are there consecrated days and consecrate our marriage, but there's consecrated food that we eat in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 4. He says, For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused. If it would be received with thanksgiving. Verse 5. For it is holy and consecrated by the word of God and by prayer. When you pray for the food you eat, you are consecrating. You're saying this is holy food that will go into a holy person. You're consecrating your food when you bless it and give thanks to God. It's not like any other food. It's special food. It's blessed food to nourish you. We need to walk in consecration. We need to understand these terms. We need to see that God has set aside these things for us to enjoy and to live, say with me, as consecrated people. Consecrated people walk devoted unto those things for God's glory. And we still don't know. And we're babies. We're, we're in kindergarten this morning as we hear these things. As we see them for the first time. But you'll see in Leviticus chapter 8 verse 10. That Moses took the appliances, the furniture, the, the stuff in the tabernacle. And it was all consecrated for God's use. You can consecrate your homes. You can get all the junk out of your house. You could consecrate your television. You could consecrate your radio, your CD. You could sit there and say, this belongs to God. This is devoted for holy things. I thank God that my little brother, when we came to the Lord, went over to my parents and says, our house is not consecrated. They said, what are you talking about? Yeah, you guys have a cabinet full of liquor. You have a cabinet full of alcohol, a substance that doesn't please God. Let's throw it out of our houses. And we said, let's not stop there. We have a whole collection of music like Morris did. Morris was a great collector of all types of CDs and, and rock and roll in 60s and 70s. And he says, I'm going to consecrate my life. And he got rid of all the unholy. He got rid of all the unclean. You know, when you get rid of these things, it's not so that you inhabit in emptiness. Now God comes in and ushers His blessing. Now God comes and brings His favor and protection. If we live consecrated lives. And it says Moses 
took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them. We're the ones that want demons out of our house, but we're the ones that open the doors and the windows. We're the one that opened the television. I remember when this church first started, and it started with a lot of young marriage couples. We were a young church 13 years ago. Now we're a little bit older. But imagine us when we were 13 years ago. I was 28. And the young couples here were even younger. And so we would go over to a house to watch a video. And I remember that there was a one video that had come from Cuba. I forgot what it was called. It was like uh, some, some guy that was running around committing, it was a cartoon, com committing adultery, going in the windows and running out the hallways, and, and it was called like Pepito en La Habana or something like that. And so we all gathered, we thought it was funny, we thought it was joyful to be able to see a cartoon made in Cuba about a man who was going around with everybody's wives. And I said, no, this is going to allow the spirit of adultery to come into our houses. Let's not watch the unclean. Let's not watch the soap operas. Let's not watch movies that have pornography. Let's consecrate these things to the Lord. The spirit of violence is grave in South Florida. We just had two officers pass away this week. You know, and we're watching violent movies. And I hope that nothing that you watch is a reality in your life over the life of your children and your wives. As we were watching this last movie, the, um, the book of Eli... And they, they say it's a biblical movie and it's a good movie, it has a good theme. Listen to me, what I saw is that a woman was getting raped all through that movie. I wouldn't want to watch that again. I don't want to bring that spirit into my home. I don't want it to be captive over my daughter, over my wife. We need to be careful how these things usher into our lives. And just like the world doesn't allow anything spiritual to come into their houses, they would not watch a spiritual movie, they would not watch a Bible study DVD, why would we be watching all the filth that this world has to offer? Years ago, we put away Nickelodeon into my house because of the subtle homosexual theme coming into my children, making it okay to be a, a, a metrosexual, a man without manhood. The subtleties that are coming into our houses because we have not consecrated. In verse 11, it says, Leviticus 8, verse 11. He sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times, anointed the altar, the utensils, the laver, the base, to consecrate them. He poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. I don't know if you would want a pastor. Verse 12. If you would want a pastor telling you jokes all the time and telling you stuff in the natural, telling you stuff that doesn't challenge you in the spiritual. But when you consecrate a man of God, then he's ready for God's use. He's not ready to, to keep people happy. And I know a lot of people want a fun pastor. I'm, I'm far from that. But I'm a consecrated pastor. I'm a pastor who's given myself up so that I might be used of God, devoted to the things of God. Exodus chapter 13 verse 1. The Lord spake to Moses, and he says, Consecrate for me all the firstborns. Whosoever opens a womb, your first child, if he's a man or a beast, he belongs to me. Can we do that this morning? Can we bring our firstborns before the altar of God and say, Lord, here he is, devoted to you. Here he belongs to you. Because you know what we do? We don't consecrate our children. We desecrate them. We're going to use them for unholy purposes, for non-eternal purposes, 
to walk in another glory, to walk in another mindset. That's not to be. We should know that God has great plans for our children. Great and powerful plans. Mighty will be the sons of those who fear God. But we haven't treated them like consecrated. We haven't given them to the Lord. We have all sorts of plans for their lives, and none of which include God. We want to impress the others with the glory of this world. No, they belong to God. God wants to dress them with glories that will make the world's heads spin as they rise up in the wisdom of God. We'll give them over to all sorts of matters other than to God. In Numbers 3.3, he says, These are the names of Aaron. These will be priests which shall be anointed. They will be consecrated as ministers in the priestly office. I want all my children, not just the firstborn, to serve God. And to reflect His glory in this world. And to be world changers. To be offered over to the things of God and not the things of this world which are passing. And that's how it was in every generation of a godly man offering up not only his own life, but his, his house, his work, his ethic, everything devoted for God's use. In 1 Samuel 1.11, it says that there was Anna and she couldn't have children. And she says, Lord, if you give me a child, I will consecrate him to you all of his life. She vowed, saying, Lord of hosts, you indeed look upon my sadness, my affliction. Your servant, remember not your handmaiden, but will give me a son. I will give him to the Lord all his life. You know, some of us could never have children. And God gave us children, and now we take them from God. There's one of the sisters in this church, her, her son saw her very devoted to God and very going to church all the time and, and about the affairs of the Lord and in Bible study and prayer service. And when he was 17 and about to go to college, he says, Mom, I want you to know something. I want to do what you want me to do, what you want me to be, a doctor or a pastor. And she was embarrassed and she felt down and she says, No, go and be a doctor. Because to me, being a pastor is not impressive in this world. So he went and became one of the best brain surgeons in America. He became a top doctor. You know what he knows about God? Nothing. You know what he wants to know about his mother? Nothing. You know what he has to offer his children? Nothing. Just a legacy of a worldly glory because he was moved by a woman who at a moment that was at the crossroads of her son's life sent him to death and destruction. There's a way that seems right to man, but its end is destruction. I hope you understand that. And so in verse 27, 1 Samuel 1.27, she brings him back after she has her child. And she says, I prayed for this child and the Lord granted me what I asked him. He has given me children. Now I give them to the Lord. I don't curse them. Verse 28, so now I give him unto the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over, consecrated to God. And he will worship the Lord forever. What a history. And I'll tell you, this was no small man. This was Samuel, the greatest prophet Israel ever knew. Because when you consecrate something over to God, get ready to see the glory of God. Amen. When you give things over to God and they belong to him for his use and purpose, get ready for a huge return. God is not asking for a, a handout from you. You have nothing to give God. In Judges chapter 13 verse 5, Samson was born. 
with a consecrated vow. It says, For behold, you shall become pregnant and bear a son, and he shall be a Nazarite from, for God from birth. He shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. And we know the story of Samson, that even though he was consecrated at birth, he lost, say with me, lost his consecration. Lost. He became desecrated. He began to walk like the common people. He began to do what the common young people used to do. There was nothing supernatural about him anymore. His eyes were plucked out and he lost his vision. And he became a toy of the devil. Because when you lose your consecration, you're good for nothing, the Bible says, except to be trampled under the foot of men, to lose your flavor, to be useful, unuseful for the kingdom of God. In 2 Chronicles 31, verse 4, there's the consecration of our money. What does that mean, pastor? Well, there's a certain portion of your money that's to be separated, devoted for the things of God. It's called your tithe. For many of us, we've, we've desecrated this portion. In 2 Chronicles 31, verse 4, it says like this. He commanded the people who lived in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priest, that they might devote themselves to the law of God. And as soon, verse 5, as the order spread, the sons of Israel provided in abundance the consecrated portions of the grain, the new wine, the oil, the honey, all that produced in the field. And they brought it in abundantly, the tithe of all things. Verse 6. Verse 5, I mean. As soon as they, the order spread, they brought in all the tithe, the consecrated portion that belonged to God. That portion that was devoted to God. It's not just an ordinary, it's not more or less, it's what is God is God's. And it's not to leave you empty. It's to shower you with untold multiplication of God's goodness. Except we still don't get it. In verse 6 it says, The sons of Israel and Judah who lived in the cities of Judah brought in the tithe of their oxen and their sheep and the tithe of the sacred gifts which were consecrated to the Lord their God. And they were able to put them in heaps. They're like, this is, they were assured that if they would separate the Lord's portion, God would, would unleash the abundance of their portion if they walked in that understanding. The, the tithe is the consecrated portion of our money, of our belongings. We still have not understood the mind of Christ. In Psalm 19.14, it says, Let the words of your mouth be pleasing to the Lord. Consecrate your thoughts. Quit letting your thoughts go into the realm of the unholy. Quit letting your thoughts plan things that are not from God. Say, thank you, Satan, but no thank you. My thoughts are consecrated to God. And here, the psalmist says, Let the words of my mouth... And the meditation of my heart be acceptable to, in your sight, O Lord. Let my thoughts be consecrated. Let me not think all this junk, all this garbage. I have a testimony. My testimony is, before I came to the Lord, all my thoughts were garbage. I didn't have any pure thought. I didn't have one good thought about anything. Thank God for God's Holy Spirit. Who begins to consecrate us from our heart, our thoughts, our words. 
Job 31, verse 1, he says, I've made a covenant with my eyes. I've consecrated my eyes. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to say, I will place my eyes on nothing unclean? I will not seek that which is improper? I dedicate a covenant, an agreement to my eyes. How then? Let's stick with the New King James Version, please. They're using the Amplified up there. It says, I've dedicated a covenant, I've made an agreement with my eyes that I should not look upon a woman with lust. Have you done that? Do you change the channels when you're watching TV? Do you not go see movies that have unclean things? Are you prepared to consecrate your eyes? I have. I praise God for that. Because the eyes are the mirror of the body. And every unclean spirit comes in through the eyes. The adulterous woman captures you with her eyes. So if you don't look at her, you won't be captured. Remember one day I was in my law firm and a strip teaser came in. She was a client and she said, I want you to show you something. I was looking on the ground. I want to show you something. Look, I got something on my butt here. I said, no, thank you. Not interested. They want to captivate you with your eyes. But if you consecrate your eyes, you're a free man. You're a delivered man. Again, we don't understand these things. In Romans 6.13, it says, Just as we presented ourselves over to unrighteousness, how many say amen? There was a time that, that everything we did was over to the unclean. I smoked, I smoked cigarettes. I cursed with my mouth. I listened to ungodly music. I hung out in ungodly places with ungodly friends. All my life was, was an unrighteous instrument until I came to Christ. Do not present your members as instruments to unrighteousness and sin. But present yourselves, consecrate yourselves to God. Being alive from the dead things. And your members now are instruments of the righteousness to God. Can you use your mouth for holy things? Can you use your hands to pray for the sick, to hug those that are needy and rejected? Yes. Can you use your feet to not to walk over to evil? Yes. We used to run over to evil. But now we're consecrated to God. This is what God wants to do in his people. And again, a lot of people don't accept this message. A lot of people reject this message. But I want to tell you in ungodly terms what it says in Romans 6.19. In Romans 6.19 it says, I want to speak in human terms. Because of the weakness of your flesh. Let's not talk about spiritual things. Because I know that you're, you're stressed out right now. Let's talk about the natural things. The carnal things. The things that you're used to. Remember that you used to present your members as slaves to the unclean things? You remember you used to be the object of lust for someone who did not have any love? You remember? You can say Amen. The lawlessness leading to more unlawlessness. You've presented your life over to those things that were unclean, impure, ungodly, non-spiritual. We're going to get deeper into this. We're going to get deeper into this so we could understand holy. That just like the video we just saw where there are people worshiping even though they say they're not. There's people consecrating more aggressively than you but for things that do not pertain to God. 
Their consecration are for the things of this world. So now in the same way, present your members as consecrated, as slaves belonging to the righteousness of God for holiness. Just like at one time we used to surrender ourselves entirely to impurity and wickedness, now we're making a transition. I want to read with you what it says in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter 2, 9. You are a consecrated generation. You're chosen. You're a royal priesthood. You're holy people. A special people. So that you might produce and proclaim the praises of Him. Who called you, say with me, out of darkness. Into His marvelous light. We're bringing all things unclean to the clean things. All things unholy to the holy things. All things unrighteous to righteousness. And when we do that, you're going to see an incredible faithfulness of God. I understand that He's called us out of darkness, but a lot of us are taking our time. We've brought our marriage out of darkness because it was our livelihood. We were about to lose our marriage, so let's go ahead and, and have a godly marriage here, but let's keep everything over there still unholy. Oh, let's, let's bring our words too because we don't want to be cursing. You know, now we go to church. Now we, we consecrate our, our words. We don't. And so the plan of God is to redeem yourself wholly over to the cause of the Lord. And we don't understand that. I want to tell you how worldly people consecrate. They have special days. Nobody could touch those days. One of them is called happy hour. It's totally dedicated. You better not mess with my happy hour. I need to be faithful to be there. <clears throat> Woman's night. Two for one night. That's the night I'm going to be there. Don't ask me to be anywhere else. That's where I'm going to be. Their money is consecrated for special uses. They have uh, uh, various recreational sports and leisure. They have special cars and boats and motorcycles. And don't mess with these. These things are consecrated. Consecrated to what? To my good time. They know consecration. They consecrate all the time. But you know what the Bible says? In Ecclesiastes 5, 13, that I see a serious and severe evil upon the earth. Those people who consecrate for their own hurt. Riches that are kept in a special place to the destruction of those who keep them. The, the investments in stocks, the investments in retirement accounts, the investment in savings. I want, to, I want to know where all these things came from. They're consecrated portions for a consecrated time in the future that doesn't exist because there is no promise that your money's going to be there at the end of 20, 30, 40 years. Go ask the people at Enron. Go ask the people at Easter Airlines. Go ask the people in different industries and markets. They've lost it all. Because they didn't consecrate it to the Lord. They lost it all. Because there was no promise. But there's a promise for those who consecrate in God. God is faithful. Your 401k became a 102k. Because you had consecrated portions in the wrong place. 
You thought there was promise and a return in that which you thought you were being wiser than God. These things that are devoted to God, you gave them over to the things of this world, thinking they had more promise. They consecrate their children to universities, to athletic sports, to economy, to medicine, to political careers. And I want to tell you, all these things will be lost. This is not new in the times of Jesus in Matthew 22. They came to him in verse 16. They said, excuse me. They went to him, their disciples, with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true. You're a man of integrity. You wouldn't lead us wrong. Teach us the ways of God. You don't care about what people think. You don't regard any of the men that you talk to. In other words, you don't play favorites. You tell it like it is. We want to know something. Verse 17. Tell us, therefore, what do you think we should do? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or no? Should we consume ourselves with the affairs of this world or not? In verse 18, he says, you guys are wicked people. I'm teaching you spiritual truths, and you want to prove that in the natural you cannot because your priority are the things of this world. Your priority are the things down here. Because if your priority were the things up there, you wouldn't even be asking me about earthly things when I'm speaking to you about the eternal. And so he says, you're wicked. Why do you test me, you bunch of hypocrites? You know what hypocrites do? They do something behind the scenes that they don't do out front. There are people that don't understand the concepts of the of eternity and spirituality, but they practice them like crazy in this world. They practice economic concepts of this world. They, uh, they, they know all the things of this world, but they know not the things of God. So he says, you bunch of hypocrites. Let me ask you, verse 19. Show me some of that money. Show me the tax money. You want to talk about earthly things? Let's talk about earthly things. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. You want to go somewhere? He'll go with you. You better get ready. Show me. Give me a piece of that money you're talking about. So they brought him a denarius, verse 20. He said to them, whose image is upon that coin? You guys all know it, right? They said what? Caesar's. They said to him, Caesar's. He said, then go and give to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar. And give to God the things that belong to God. Now, nobody understands that passage. We just say, okay, now we we got our answer. It goes to Caesar. No, he's saying, brother, in whose image are you? Whose image is inscribed in you? You're going to have to say who? God. Then give to God what belongs to God. You belong to God. It wasn't about Caesar. It wasn't about the money. You belong to God. Give to God what is His. And you know what I've realized? My whole life belongs to God. The air I breathe belongs to God. The words I speak belongs to God. The thoughts I think belong to God. Because I'm made in His image. So we're trying to give to God what belongs to God. We're consecrating all things. Colossians 1 verse 16. We're not to think in secular terms anymore. We're not to weigh the things of Caesar, the things of the... We belong to God. 
He is the head of the body. He is the head of the church. These are the firstborn from the dead. You and I are what this whole world is looking for. And we're here. All the sadness of this world has been washed away because we're here. We are the firstborns. We are the consecrated ones. We are the ones that are going to church. We are the ones that are bringing our tithe to the Lord and enjoying the 90% he gives us back. How many say amen? Amen. The people in the world have 100% that they don't enjoy. We consecrate our money and we're able to enjoy 90% because we manage and steward that for his glory. Our promise is not the things of this world. But the church, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Excuse me. That in all things. You guys got verse 18 up there. It's verse 16. For by him all things were created. Everything that's in heaven was created by God. And those things that are upon the earth created by God. The visible and the invisible. It doesn't matter if they're thrones and dominiums and principalities. All influence upon the earth was created by God. All things were created through him and for him. I know that you guys sequester and kidnap and start running in the opposite direction. We've lost our message, but the message was Romans 12.1, where Paul says it's only reasonable that we present ourselves totally as living sacrifices acceptable to God. It's our reasonable service to Him. Being consumed with the Spirit of God, being consumed with the presence of God, giving ourselves over to God. I'm not doing what I want, I'm doing what He wants. I'm not going where I want, I'm going where He wants. Joshua 7.13, it says, Tell the people to get up, command them to purify themselves. To prepare themselves for tomorrow. Again, if we're not consecrated over to the holy things, will we receive the things of God? No. We've made no provision in our consecration. We've made no provision. When, when I consecrated in my law practice, what did that mean? I gave it over to God. So God gave myself over to Him to dedicate myself to Him. For His service, not for mine. For His plans, not for mine. He says, for this is what the Lord God of Israel says. Hidden among you, O Israel, are things that are set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you you remove these things from among you. We want victories, don't we? We can't hold on to the unclean. We want the plans of God, right? Two of you do. We want the plans of God. You need to remove yourself from the plans that are not of God. Or else you'll never come into the plans of God. Joshua 3, 5. Joshua told the people, purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord is about to do great wonders. Consecrate yourselves. Set, your, set yourselves apart. Set your marriage apart. Don't allow the unclean to be in your conversations. Don't allow gossip. Don't allow murmuring. Don't allow things that are unclean to cultivate your relationship. Don't allow these things. You know, David was a man after God's own heart. In 2 Chronicles 29, I'm sorry, 1 Chronicles 29, verse 3, 
This is David. What, what a pure heart. What an awesome young man. He says this, Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I will give to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for a holy house, my special treasure of gold and silver. This man had already given God all things, and he says, Lord, all this other stuff that I have that's my gold and my silver, every provision I have, I want to bring it over and consecrate it to where my affection is. You know where your affection is? Where your fear is. In, if, you're, if you're not a spiritual person, you have all your monies over where your fear is. And David says, no, I'm going to put all my money where my faith is. I'm going to bring to God the one that takes care of me, the one that's going to do the supernatural. I don't know if you've seen a man try to run with his wealth to try and resolve the impossible. Have you seen that? Have you seen man? There was a man here in Miami, one of the biggest contractors in town. His wife got cancer, and he tried to keep her alive with his sustenance for 11 years, buying the latest nutritional supplements, buying the latest, making sure that she was being healed. You know what she needed? She needed God. She needed a supernatural intervention from a gracious, good God. He could not keep his wife alive. How do I know this testimony? Because when she passed away, he brought all the supplements here to the church. And they were worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know what she needed? God. You know what she needed? God's intervention. But where your treasure is, there your heart is. And David's heart was in the house of God, and he brought over the wealth. And look what his heart is in verse 5. He asked a question. At the end of verse 5, he says, Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Are we speaking the same things David is saying? Who's willing? You know, we used to sing a song when the church was the church. I surrender some. What did we used to sing? Nowadays, we don't sing that no more. We don't sing that song no more. Why? God sees our heart. But look at the heart of this man who says, who will consecrate himself this day to the Lord? You know who's going to consecrate themselves to the Lord? The wise. The wise will. Verse 11. Thine, O Lord, is, thy gr is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory. It all belongs to you, Lord. To you is the majesty for all that is in heaven and on earth is yours. Your kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as the head above all. What a revelation. That's the people who could consecrate. See, I was scared like crazy when I first became a Christian to hear this message. Those of you that are new are shaking in your boots. If I give all to God, what is he going to do? Hey, what you never even thought possible, what you never even imagined what God wanted to do with you. And he says, you, God, are great over all things. Verse 12. Both riches and honor come from you. You reign over all things. In your hand is the power and the might. In you is the hand to make great and to give strength to all. You know what's holding us back from incredible provisions of God? Our lack of what? Consecration. Our inability to know what God does with those people that bring him shattered porcelain. Shattered lives. Our lives were a ruin and look what he's done. Imagine if we give him what we have now. Imagine what God is able to do with those that say, Lord, it's all yours. 
Teach me to surrender my heart. Because in your hand it is to make great. In your hand is to give strength. Verse 14. This is the question we should ask ourselves in this consecration thing. Let me ask you something. God doesn't need anything from you. We need everything from God. So he says, Lord, who am I? Who am I? Who are my people that we should be able to give ourselves willingly? That's the key word. I'm not going to force you to give diddly squat. I'm trying to give everything I have to God. Trying. I'm fighting. I was telling Willie, I want what God has for me. I want to let go of what I don't understand. That I might obtain what he understands. But who am I? And who are these people that we should come and offer all these things willingly? For all these things come from you. And of your own we have given you. We're not giving God anything. We're holding on to what he's given us. We need a revelation. We need an understanding. Verse 14. We just read that one. Verse 15. For we are just pilgrims. We're passing by. Just like our fathers were passing by. Our days upon the earth are but a shadow without any promise. Understand this. We're talking about giving things over to God, but we have nothing much to give God because we're only going to be here a moment. Just when you thought you weren't giving it to God, you're out of here. You're gone. You're in eternity. This is, the Bible says that life is but a hand breath. That's the width of the hand. Infancy, childhood, adulthood, oldhood, elderly. That's it, and we're out of here. Where are you in this spectrum? I'm over here in the middle somewhere. Where are you? What are you holding on to? Give it to God. Let God leave a legacy to your family for a thousand generations when you're not even going to be here. Our God is faithful. We are just aliens and pilgrims. We're without hope if it wasn't because of God. We don't even know what to do. We're reading. Verse 17. I know also, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in those who walk uprightly. As for me and the uprightness of my part, I've willingly offered all these things. And now with joy I have seen your people also. It takes a leader. One of the things that God kept on calling me over to give my whole law practice, I knew nobody would be able to follow where I wasn't willing to lead. If I didn't give everything up, how were people after me going to do that? He says they have seen. Your people have seen what I've done. And they've presented here to you and offered themselves up willingly also. Verse 18, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the intent of the thoughts of the heart of your people and fix their eyes toward you. We could only live like this if we're concentrated on the things above. If our affections are up there, that's the only way you can let go of the things on the earth. Let's stand this morning. And I hope that you were able to hear the heart of God this morning because we need people who consecrate. We need people who are able to understand the heart of God. He doesn't want just the little things in your life. Oh, ever since I got to church, I stopped doing this, I stopped doing this. How much more do you want? Listen, everything you were doing was destroying you, was depleting your family, was robbing you, was plundering you. If there's something God is asking from you, it's because it's going to destroy you. 
If there's anything God wants to remove from your heart, it's because those things that are there hidden in your heart are going to be your very destruction. But now the Spirit of God has been here this morning. The Word of God has issued forth. Now who will consecrate themselves to the Lord? Who will give themselves over to God entirely as a living sacrifice to see His glory? And when you do that, get ready because there's not one thing that's ever been consecrated There's not one thing that's ever been consecrated that didn't blow up powerfully. I really want to encourage you this morning to make this your meditation. Lord, my thoughts, my heart, my eyes, my steps, my fears, I want to give them over to you, Lord. I want to put them in your hands. I learned that a long time ago. Things in his hands are better than things in mine. That which he's able to have and lead and protect and provide and show forth purpose is a lot greater than the things that I have in my little brain. Some people say it's pea brain. It's, a, it's the size of a pea. Guys, God is speaking to us great and marvelous things. Who will respond? Who will have a heart according to God's heart? And say, God, I belong to you. I want to consecrate my life to be be devoted to God. One of the marvelous things that I see is that God is not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. He's not looking for your position. He's looking for your disposition. Get out of those things that are holding you back and stealing from you and squandering. You don't have one spiritual thought because your brain is sacrificing in the altar of secularism of humanistic philosophy, of worrying about taking care of yourself. That was the very first sin. When Satan came to Adam and says, you won't need God. You can take care of yourself. Well, guess what? I don't want to take care of myself because God created me that I would be taken care of by Him. That's the life God wanted, to have fellowship and walk with us and provide with us, provide for us. But if our hearts are not consecrated, our lives will not be either. And we will not see what God has for us. As we sing this song, let's bow our heads. And you know what to consecrate and you know what God is asking for. And I guarantee you, what you do not give to God, you will keep to your own hurt. Says it in Ecclesiastes 5.13. The things that man keep is a severe ill upon the earth. Things that man keep to his own hurt. It's a severe evil that has been taking place under the sun. Riches kept for the owner's own hurt. You're trading up God for things that don't have the potential of God. 